Today is Sunday, the last day of our group practice period. Day before the Pavarana, the full moon day, the end of the rains retreat, head shaving day. The anniversary of uh, King Bhumipon Adoyadate's passing away six years ago. Last Sunday afternoon talk. Lots going on. A lot of things we have in the schedule. Also, we have our own, our own plans, where we're going, what we're doing, our own ailments, things to be concerned about with our health, our memories, our relationships, our loves, our hates, fears and hopes, longings, regrets. The world can seem very active, very full, densely packed. Our practicing Dhamma is to consider where all of this happens. Where does the world happen? This world with its colorful, personal, complicated activities, ceremonies, meetings, conversations, lists of things to do, emotions, responsibilities. Where is it? Where is the world? In terms of Dhamma, when the Buddha is asked what is the world, he made this very clear, that whereby one is a perceiver of the world and a conceiver of the world, that is what is called the world in this Dhamma and discipline. And what is that? Whereby one is a perceiver and a conceiver of the world? The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body, the mind. The world happens here, it's in this very field of experience, the world is our mind's version of the world, its representation of the world, woven together out of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, remembering, language, concept, memory, imagination, all woven together into this fabric that we call this moment, Amravati, Sunday morning, 9th of October, 2022, 25-66-65, getting towards the end of 25-65. I think. Well, this is a world of designations, isn't it? What year is it? It's one year different between Sri Lanka and Thailand. 
the Jewish calendar, the Islamic calendar, Chinese calendar. What year is it? What we can know is that our version of the world is put together here. Out of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking. Here it is. When the Buddha had a conversation with Rohitasa, this uh, deva who had been a yogi in a previous life trying to walk to the end of the world, the Buddha said, you can never reach the end of the world by walking, but I tell you, unless you reach the end of the world, you won't reach the end of dukkha. Then he went on to explain, it's in this very body, with its perceptions and its thoughts, here is the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the way leading to the cessation of the world. So in that, that very formulation, he's equating the world with dukkha, just as in the Four Noble Truths. As dukkha, origin of dukkha, cessation of dukkha, and the way leading to the cessation of dukkha. So he equates the world with dukkha insofar as the mind makes the world solid, gives it a false substantiality. If we see the world as empty, sunya, then that's how the heart is freed from the cycles of birth and death, the cycles of beginning and ending. When we think of the ending of the world, it can sound like an ecological collapse or some kind of disaster. But in this way of speaking, the Buddha is pointing to the ending of the world being equivalent to the ending of dukkha. When the world is seen as empty, is insubstantial, transparent, dukkha ends also. And where does the world end? As he said to Rohitasa, you can't get to the end of the world by walking, but unless you get to the end of the world, unless the ending of the world is actualized, the ending of dukkha, cannot be realized either. So where do sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought and feeling, where do they end? They end in the same place that they arise, which is here in this field of awareness. This is the place where the world ends, this very heart of ours. That substantiality, that false solidity, ends right here in this heart. This is where the world ends. That false substantiality ends right here. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, concepts, memory, emotions, loves, hates, fears, 
longings, grudges, responsibilities, they arise here, they end here. This is where the world ends. And that's not a, an aversion or a rejection. As the Buddha said in the Udana, to abandon the craving for being without relishing non-being. To let go of that habit of giving false solidity, false actuality and substantiality to the world, to our thoughts and feelings, perceptions. To abandon that craving for being, defined being, but without relishing non-being. It's not a rejection or an aversion. It's a liberation. A freeing of the heart from its false boundaries. The ending of the world is the ending of dukkha in this way. The ending of that identification with beginnings and endings. Gain and loss, praise and criticism. Happiness and unhappiness. The heart is freed from those identifications. It's hard to imagine that, to abandon craving for being without relishing non-being. What Lumpo Cha would call the place of non-abiding. Hard to imagine. There's no place to stand there. And the example he gives, he say, like the, the ground, the concrete pad under a kuti is one base, and then the floor of the kuti up above is another base, but the space in between the two, you can't stand there. There's no thing to stand on. That very space is the place of non-abiding. Nowhere to stand. Opening the heart to the many changes of the world. Gaining, losing, comfort, discomfort. Hunger, fullness. Day and night. Praise and criticism, gain and loss. To open the heart to the flow of changes and to not try and take a stand. To not be born into, make an abiding out of any of those states. That's the challenge. An active day with many things going on, many responsibilities, aspects of a schedule and people coming and going. It's challenging not to take a stand, not to get born into what I should do, what he should do, what, what happens next. This is the challenge, to find that place of non-abiding, a place which is no place, really. To actualize that, to realize that quality of non-abiding, hard to imagine, but possible 
to realize, to know, to embody, moment by moment. Not by spacing out or hiding away from people and things, but in the midst of the world of things and people, actions, choices, to find that place of non-abiding, the place which is no place. Let the heart embody that quality, awake, aware to the reality of the present, not being anyone, not being anything, not grasping hold, not pushing away. This is that mysterious and liberating place of non-abiding. And in those moments when the heart awakens to that, knows that, even if it's just a few seconds during the course of a day, notice that. When there is that quality, a genuine realization of that non-abiding awareness, that vijja datu, that element of knowing, attuned to everything, not born into anything. Here it is. Notice that. Feel that. Allow that quality to be fully realized, to be known. Let it speak for itself. Not to turn it into an identity or an achievement, a thing I have got, a thing I have attained or achieved or can talk about. But in this present experience, this present moment, feeling that, knowing that, let the effects of that realization ripple through the system, let it have its effect. And that realization changes the fundamental attitude of heart, the habits of relationship to the world of things and people, actions, choices, past and future changes the attitude to this present experience. There's a quality of ease and freedom, a spaciousness. And the world is recognized as arising and ceasing right here, in this citta, this heart. There's nothing to get, nothing to get away from, nothing to lose. as a great spaciousness, a fullness of heart, a profound ease. This is the peace of Nibbana that is the potential, it's the goal of the practice. That this very quality that the path leads to, Dukkha Niroda. It's always here, always accessible, when the attitude is attuned, realizes that place of non-abiding. 